Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the last day. Uh, is this the last? Is this the last day of November, twenty twenty-two? The thirtieth? Is it's one of the? Yeah. I don't know how they decide which months get thirty and which ones get thirty-one. I just know they all seem to hate February. They're like, screw it. Even we'll give them an extra one every once in every four years, but we're still going to really only give it thirty twenty-eight days. Everybody else is going to get a minimum of thirty. Anyway, I am Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to enter to win the contests. And I forgot to post the pictures of the family. I'll post the pictures of the family. They'll be up by now for Thanksgiving. So appreciate all the people reminding me that I forgot to do that because I just, you know, get distracted by shiny objects. Anyway, Lots of stuff to get to. We'll uh, get started. Actually, let's just get started now. There's lots of stuff going on, a bunch of things to get into today, including the government. I've never seen the government mobilized against one private citizen the way it is now. I've seen it mobilized against private citizens in the past to a certain extent, people being denounced from, say, the White House, the presidential podium, but never... One individual, never, not only from the White House, but from Congress and in the media, in every way, shape, or form you can possibly imagine. I've never seen this before. And, it, you know, it'd be one thing if the the person being denounced, it still wouldn't be good, but if it would be one thing if they were a political player, if they were uh, butting their noses into politics constantly and criticizing one party or one administration or what policy something but he's not elon musk is not elon musk is going about his business of running his businesses he's just not he's not out there going god my god joe biden sucks and democrats are terrible no he has said that he would support ron DeSantis in the election but that's it he's mostly a liberal guy he just looks at, well, I think he's also looking at being attacked by these idiots and going, I'm not gonna, why would I support these people? So the attack, the assault on Elon Musk from the podium at the White House in the media, there's, there isn't a single, what is this story? There isn't a single media outlet that has not just done an attempted hit piece on Elon Musk for no good reason. It's just no, like, uh, I don't think he's perfect. He's obviously not perfect. But for the love of God, what has Elon Musk done to the, uh, to, to the world, to the, to the country, to the Biden administration that has them so upset that they're going to unleash the hounds of hell? Well, one story here from CNN, Twitter is no longer enforcing its COVID misinformation policy. It's COVID misinformation policy. Now, Twitter used to not allow people to say masks don't work, even when they knew masks didn't work. They weren't allowed to say, hey, uh, this thing likely originated from a lab leak in China. You couldn't say that, even though it likely originated from a lab leak in China. So what uh, the media, what the left, what Democrats describe as misinformation, most human beings would look at it and go, 
No, that's that's just information. But Twitter is allowing people to say things like, hey, vaccines, these so-called mRNA vaccines don't work. You're allowed to say that now on Twitter. Why? Because the mRNA vaccines don't work. They don't. So, you know, this has gotten them very, very, very upset. Very upset. And so the left has been mobilizing against Twitter. In fact, Elon Musk has announced, declared, said publicly on Twitter that Apple is considering, that they put them on notice, that they are considering removing Twitter from the App Store. Meaning if you have an iPhone and you use the Twitter app on an iPhone, it will disappear. You won't be able to use Twitter on your iPhone anymore. This is a massive abuse of power, even just the threat of it is a massive abuse of power on behalf of Apple. And I I love Apple. Everything I have is Apple. But this is ridiculous. This is insane. Elon Musk says they won't tell him why they're considering it. It's mostly because he's allowing people who've been banned for violating COVID declarations or what is determined by the left to be mean things tweeted on there. They, you know, they said that Rachel Levine is a man, but they only said that because Rachel Levine is in fact a man. These are hate crimes perpetrated against the trans community. Well, trans, go ahead and start your own social media platform. All right. Isn't that what they said to conservatives all the time? Start your own social media. If you don't like the rules here, start your own social media platform. Then conservatives did with Parler. That sucked, but they did it. And then what happened? Apple banned them from the App Store. Hmm, it's weird. Now, Town Hall reports, you know, just since um, Apple is now very, very concerned about the safety of people and the ability to communicate and blah, 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 and freedom and all this stuff from freedom. See, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, has a fiduciary duty to the shareholders of Apple. So if you are a shareholder of Apple and if you have a 401k, you're probably a shareholder of Apple. You may not know it, but you probably are a shareholder of Apple. Tim Cook has a fiduciary duty, which means he is supposed to put the financial well-being of the company ahead of pretty much everything else, including his own personal political agenda. Well, I wouldn't say that Tim Cook, simply because he's a gay man, is very interested in advancing a progressive agenda, particularly when it comes to trans people. Well, actually, no, I think about it, I probably would say that. Yeah. But that would be in a violation of his fiduciary duty. If I were a large shareholder of Apple, I might have a problem with Apple doing such things. But then again, I'd have a lot of problems with what Apple does. This story from Town Hall. The long-running saga of American companies caving to pressures from the Chinese Communist Party in order to make a buck in the totalitarian dystopia at the expense of implicitly endorsing the despotic government's human rights abuses. It's a long sentence. New reporting reveals that Apple is the latest to rush to the uh, CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Rescue just ahead of the fledgling uprising that's caused protests in various cities, much to the CCP's chagrin. Those speaking out against the Chinese Communist Party are finding themselves 
without a key method of sharing information under China's censorious regime, thanks to Apple's decision to limit the ability of iPhone users in China to pass files from device to device, bypassing the CCP's censors and surveillance state. As Yahoo Finance noted, Apple's decision for users in China means that the, quote, country's most widespread show of public dissent in decades will have to manage without a communication tool because Apple restricted its use in China earlier this month. End quote. The report explains further how Apple pushed a software update for its handsets in China that kneecapped the means of spreading information. Now, this is from the Yahoo story. These are the people who are very concerned about free speech here at home and do too much free speech. You want to know who they suck up to? Here's you go. Airdrop. I love Airdrop. I record my podcast. I record it on an iPad, and then I airdrop it to my laptop. There's no sitting around going, this attachment is too large for an email, and blah, blah. Here's another. Nope, it just goes, and it's immediate. There's no waiting for anything to download, nothing. It's wildly convenient. But it's wildly inconvenient if you're a despotic regime trying to stop ideas from spreading. Airdrop, the file-sharing feature on iPhones and other Apple devices, has helped protesters in many authoritarian countries evade censorship. That's because Airdrop relies on direct connections between phones, forming a local network of devices that don't need to that don't need the internet to communicate. People can opt into receiving Airdrops from anyone else nearby with a phone with an iPhone. That changed on November 9th when Apple released a new version of its mobile operating system, iOS 16.1.1, to customers worldwide. Rather than listing new features as it often does, the company simply said, quote, this update fixes, uh, includes bug fixes and security updates and is recommended for all users. Hidden in the update was a change that only applies to iPhones sold in mainland China. Isn't that weird? Isn't that neat how they can do that? Airdrop can only be set to receive messages from everyone for 10 minutes before switching off. There's no longer a way to keep the, quote, everyone setting on permanently on Chinese iPhones. The change first noticed by Chinese readers at uh, 9 to 5 Mac doesn't apply anywhere else. Got to stifle the ability. Now, China likely requested this. Well, likely they demanded this. And Apple really likes the cheap slave labor that they get in China. Now, you remember, this is not the first time, and it will not be the last time, that a major U.S. corporation has bowed to Beijing. But if you remember, and I don't know, I... Granted, I started this off by saying that I love Apple and I I love their products. I hate the company. But you go to the um, history of Apple. Remember the San Bernardino shooter? The guy who uh, him and I think it was him and his wife went and killed a bunch of people at, at a Christmas party. I think it was Muslim guy. They're trying to figure out if there are other people involved so on and so forth, and they had an iPhone. The iPhone was locked. And the FBI was trying to find out who their handlers were, 
who maybe put them up, to how they managed to, to do this and why they did this. And the clock was ticking because if you're a part of a, a terrorist cell where somebody goes and kills a bunch of people, shoots up a bunch of people, you're probably going to get the heck out of Dodge. Uh, you probably get out of that country, go back to a country where extradition is not going to happen or something like that. And you want to act quickly. Apple wouldn't help the FBI get into the iPhone. They would not do it. Eventually, the FBI got around the security protocols, but Apple refused to. Now, this guy was dead. This guy is a terrorist. This guy was, a, but Apple said, no, we won't do that. It's a matter of principle. If we show you, if we create a way to get around the security protocols of an iPhone, that will be the end of it. There's some sort of merit to that to a certain extent. There's certainly merit to it were Apple a company that were intellectually honest and genuinely consistent on such matters. But it is not. It absolutely positively is not one such company. It is a company that works with despotic regimes at their convenience, at their whim, at their will. So just keep that in mind. They're threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store, meaning remove it from all Apple devices. Google wouldn't be far behind. And why? Have horrible things happened on Twitter since Elon Musk instituted a desire for freedom of speech on the platform? No, it hasn't. It has not. You can't track down a single... Actually, if you really want to get down to it, how many of these horrible killers around the world, New Zealand comes to mind, how many of these monsters around the world have live-streamed their heinous acts not on Twitter, but on Facebook. How many of them? There's been a lot. Well, I mean, not hundreds, but there has been a lot. It doesn't take many horrible people to constitute a lot when it comes to something that should never happen in the first place. There is, however, no push to get rid of Facebook from the App Store, which is weird because I would assume that the person or people who have live-streamed their murders of people were not carrying around a big old laptop or desktop computer with a web camera attached to it, you know, duct tape to their chest. One would assume they were carrying and doing it through the mobile app, right? Putting it on your phone and carrying your phone around and putting your phone in your pocket so the camera seems a lot easier than carrying around a laptop, doesn't it? But there's no push, there's no threat, there's no request, there's no demand, there's no nothing, no concern whatsoever that Apple is going to remove Facebook from the App Store. It's weird, isn't it? Well, Mark Zuckerberg's on the team. Mark Zuckerberg spends a fortune trying to elect Democrats. In fact, helped Joe Biden get elected. There's no reason to go after Mark Zuckerberg. He thinks properly. Now, it's weird because people are still going after Mark Zuckerberg uh, for other things. The left will, uh, you're never, if you are not their 100% friend, you are their 100% enemy. It doesn't matter how much you are their friend. And if Apple, look, 
The left hates Apple, too. They're bowing to Beijing. And they think, well, we're sucking up to totalitarians. We're doing the bidding of the Biden administration. We're doing all this. We're doing everything we can. They'll never love you. They'll never love you because you exist wrong. And how do they exist wrong? They exist wrong because they are a corporation. They exist wrong because they are a corporation that is successful. So unless you are willing to commit corporate suicide, the left is always going to hate you. And now that you look at what's going on with Apple and this uh, battle, if you will, with Elon Musk, they might be willing to commit corporate suicide. I don't know. They just might be. Time will tell. On the issue of Twitter and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, she was asked, this is what's amazing about this. I don't know that this was choreographed. I don't know that this was planned, plotted, decided ahead of time that this was going to happen or why whoever this reporter is, why they were called on. I just have to assume it was because it's such a random out of left field type of question. If this wasn't a planted question or a planned interaction, because the reason I say planned and you're going to hear Corinne Jean-Pierre talk and you're going to go, well, she doesn't sound like she knows what the hell she's talking about. That's that's just how she is. She's reading it. She wears, I don't know who thought that she was an attractive woman who does her makeup well, but they were wrong. She has the makings of an attractive woman who puts her makeup on as though, I don't know, she's semi-blind and doing it by smell or something because it's just terrible. She's got this, What's that? Eyeshadow? The stuff you put on the eyelids? That's like glossy and shiny. It's like something a 13-year-old girl would wear, not a 40-something woman professional would wear. But it also highlights when she's either got her eyes closed or, in her case, looking down reading because there's like a glare off of her eyelids. It looks terrible on top of being a stupid strategic thing. Because then a video of her speaking from the podium is all her slash. Yeah, this is why I've said in the past and I stand by it. She needs to paint eyeballs on her eyelids so that when she's looking down, reading these stupid comments that Ron Klain has prepared for her, she at least looks or at least stands the chance of looking like she knows that what she's talking about. She's not reading it. You'd think, oh, if it, the casual observer would go, she's just looking directly into the camera, when in fact she's not. She's looking down. She's got her head tilted down. Her posture is terrible. Like Everything about her presentation is awful at the podium. It's embarrassing having her as White House press secretary, but at least she's a Democrat. I mean, she makes Joe Biden look decent by comparison. So that the same reason I think Kamala Harris is a good choice for vice president because she's the only person who can make Joe Biden seem competent by comparison. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre is so historic that she can make Joe Biden look semi-coherent by comparison. Again, if you dig deep enough, you will be able to set the bar low enough for a liberal to be able to clear it. That being said, the choreographed nature of this question comes because she's reading it. And I can't imagine in her giant press briefing book that she's actually got a section on for when you're questioned about Elon Musk owning Twitter. I'd also like to, well, I mean, Democrats hate free speech. They hate you having free speech. They want to silence you. They'd really rather, just frankly, honestly, if we're being honest, 
imprison or kill you. They're just just being, they don't like having to deal with you. They won't. They won't take questions from you. They won't address you. Joe Biden doesn't even, they, Joe Biden and the Democrats treat conservatives and simply people who will not bend the knee to them the way that the Biden family treats the illegitimate grandchild that they that Hunter had with the stripper. <laughs> it's a true story. They put up that they uh, they announced and released all the White House decorations for Christmas. Oh, the White House is done up. It, it, it's fine. Some people complain about it. It's Christmas. Who cares? But in the decorations, they have stockings for everybody in the Biden family up on the on the uh, fireplace. They're all up there. They're all dangling there, except for the illegitimate child of Hunter Biden. That one didn't warrant a, uh, a stocking. They're so gross, these people. Honest to God. I give you my word as a Biden. Being a Biden is the most important thing. Well, not that little bastard Biden over there. That one doesn't count. Can't say that it's because they're devout Catholics, because even devout Catholics recognize reality. The story here, just, just so you know, from the Daily Caller. The Biden family unveiled the 2022 White House Christmas decorations on Monday, hanging a stocking for each of the pres- uh, President Joe Biden's grandchildren and uh, other than the daughter Hunter Biden had out of wedlock. Nine stockings hanging from the fireplace, including those for Hunter Biden's uh, then and then ex-wife Karen Brule's children, Naomi, Finnegan, and Maisie, and the children of late Beau Biden and his widow Hallie, who Hunter then left his wife for, Natalie and Hunter. One stocking was labeled Baby, in apparent reference to Hunter Biden's two-year-old son, Beau, whom he fathered with Melissa Cohen. There was also a stocking for Peter Neal, who married Naomi Biden on November 19th, as well as Commander and Willow, the White House's dog and cat. The family seemingly chose not to hang a stocking for Hunter Biden's daughter, Navy Joan Roberts, whom he fathered out of wedlock with London Roberts. Isn't that nice? They put up a stocking for the dog and the cat. But the other Biden, Joe Biden, oh, nothing's more important than family. As long as you're not a bastard, then it's okay. They uh, they just ignore it. Ah, the dog, Put the dog and the cat up there. Hey, how about... Uh, my sore shoulder. We'll put one up there for the sore shoulder. We'll put one up there for the ham sandwich I had the other day that was really delicious. I'm going to put a stocking up there for that. What about, you know, the kid? See, the problem with the stripper is she didn't give the kid the Biden last name. She should have given the kid the Biden last name. Then maybe they'd be in for the Biden fortune. The kid would at least be in on the Biden fortune. But no, as it is, the kid is going to get child support until they're 18, or Hunter decides to flee the country, or overdoses, or passes away, or something horrible like that, and then that's it. There will be no slice of the Biden pie. For a guy who claims to love his family so much, look, I get it, you don't like the stripper, okay? You don't have to like the stripper, but the kid didn't do anything to you, Joe, you sick bastard sick creep 
Anyway, the probably uh, that's probably what really has the Biden administration upset is they're not censoring stories about Hunter Biden's illegitimate child on Twitter. Anyway, back to Karine Jean-Pierre. So historic. Have I mentioned how historic she is? My God, she's so historically bad at her job. Honestly, if she were not lesbian, if she were not black, she would not have had that job. There's no way. The basic audition for the job would be, here's a question, answer it. And she'd fail miserably. But she's historic, so she gets the job, just like the trans dude with the nuclear secrets we'll get to in a second. He's historic. Is he competent? No. Is he a good person? No. Is he mentally stable? No. But he's historic, so what more do you want? Anyway, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked a what seems like a planted question and allowed her to go and say that the government is monitoring Twitter for misinformation. Now, this is a scary thought. Imagine a Republican administration saying we are monitoring what is being said online by American citizens to make sure that nothing is out of line with what we have determined to be the official and acceptable, only acceptable story going on today. Imagine that. The feces would hit the fan. It would be an entire cow farm a dairy farm's worth of feces hitting a wind farm. It would be everywhere. It would be so epic. As it stands, you've got uh, Karine Jean-Pierre saying that the government, Big Brother, is watching, and it just elicits yawn from the mainstream media. About Twitter, um, you know, there's a researcher at, at Stanford who says that this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So, look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action again. We're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring, and uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting, and just for for ourselves, what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities, as we have been seeing, and the president has been very clear on calling uh, that out. He'll continue to do that, uh, and we're going to continue to monitor the situation. During the summer of BLM Antifa riots, BLM Antifa mutants, the uh, brown shirts of the Democrat Party, used social media platforms to communicate with one another, to plot from which the places they would uh, from, launch their attacks on police. DMs and messages or whatever on private message boards through social media, they plotted together how it was and where it was. Where will the bricks be stored? 
there. We gotta march past these places where the easy to throw things will be stored. And at this time, in this place, we shall meet up, and therefore we will then start launching our, our bricks and rocks and everything against police. There was no call by Democrats to stop their army, their brown shirts, from attacking police officers, from attacking civilians, from burning buildings, from beating up people. There was nothing. There was no threat. Uh, these companies need to know that what they're doing is unacceptable. There was none of that. Joe Biden barely acknowledged it. I love how he ended up issuing a statement or reading a statement condemning political violence, condemning all political violence. Remember that? You can't say all lives matter. Saying all lives matter is horrible and racist. Okay, why? Well, just because it is. If you don't understand why, you'll never understand why. No, no, no. I don't care why. That's the difference. There's a huge difference. But you couldn't say that. Oh, you're saying that it's a spit in the face. You got to address the issue only at hand. And then there was the outrage. Donald Trump said that there were good people on both sides in Charlottesville while talking about neo-Nazis. I've, I've proven time and again. No need to rehash it here. If you have an IQ uh, higher than your shoe size, you understand that that is garbage. But they're saying, oh, he did both sides. He did both sides. And then when Joe Biden comes up and says, hey, uh, all political violence is bad. Do you condemn Black Lives Matter and Antifa's beating holy hell out of random people on the streets? All political violence is bad. Are you not then all sidesing this whole thing? Are you not then playing that game? Are you not then making it up? Are you not then engaging in what you alleged to have had a problem with Donald Trump doing? Is it not true? It is true. It's just that you don't care. It's different when it's your team, isn't it? It's way different when it's your team. And that's what's going on. That's what's happening. That's how these people are. They don't consider anything done in the name of the progressive movement to be problematic in any way, shape, or form. Look, you can't create utopia without making, breaking a few eggs or skulls or spines or burning down a few businesses or blinding a few police officers or throwing bricks at people. It's just one of those things. You, you, progress is a painful, painful thing or something, right? That's the way the left views it. That's how they go forward. So when you hear Courage up here, we're going to continue to monitor this, and we're watching this, and we're very concerned about these things. Government has no role in this crap. Government should be outed, however, because government has worked with social media companies to make sure that certain people and or certain opinions are not able to be expressed online. Many of those opinions are, I'm sure, reprehensible, but most of them have been proven to be true, like questioning the vaccines, things like that, questioning um, questioning masks, things of that nature. What, that is wildly illegal. It is wildly unconstitutional. Democrats have no interest in that. It's really bizarre to watch the evolution of the Democratic Party to go from, oh, we're the party of free speech, the Berkeley free speech movement, absolutism, free speech, blah, 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 to uh, we're not going to defend your right to say anything you want because I don't like what you have to say. 
We don't have time for those sorts of things. Just shut your mouth and obey. You wouldn't be so upset if you'd just be obedient. That's the liberal mantra these days. It's sick. It's wrong. It's perverse. It's progressive. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. It's progressive. I'm looking at this New York po- or New York Times story. Excuse me. And people, the, the leftists on Twitter are getting outraged. And of course, that's why it was written to cause leftist outrage. It's not directed toward the United States, but it is sort of directed towards the United States. The concept wise. They said, for many disabled people, a battle to stay in Australia or New Zealand. That, that's your headline? Yeah, I didn't write it. It's a stupid headline, but they wrote it. The subheadline: the two countries are outliers in routinely rejecting potential migrants on the basis of medical needs, leaving families with one ill member to struggle in legal limbo. Well, countries should be picky about who they let in. And the only question that should ever be asked whether or not somebody can emigrate to another country is what do we get out of it? What do we get out of it? And if it's not at a minimum breaking even, then why the hell would they do it? There's no moral obligation to allow people to immigrate anywhere. But the left, of course, views the world as open borders and everybody's just all love. And you know what? We should import more people like this. Celebrate diversity. Celebrate diversity. Yes, well, we have a whole bunch of people who work and we need the diversity of people who won't work. So we should import people who won't work or can't work or whatever. We have a whole bunch of people in the United States of America who can communicate with one another because we share a common language. Let's mess that. That's not diverse enough. We need a whole bunch of people who we can't communicate with in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's kind of the left. Melbourne, Australia for eight-year-old Safan Mohammed Gulam to leave Australia would most likely be a death sentence, his doctors say. Born to Pakistani parents in Perth, Australia, Safan has a rare genetic condition that has damaged his spinal cord and left him paralyzed. Every night and whenever he is sick, Safan uses a ventilator to help him breathe. To travel on a plane with its low air pressure might fatally impede his breathing. Now, I just want to point out, and I'm going to skip ahead, because what they're doing here is what the left does continually. This is the manipulation. It's usually directed towards the United States. It's usually directed towards idiotic leftists here in this country, but it is designed to appeal to emotion. What they do is they find the worst case scenario and present it as the norm. Should Australia kick this kid out? No. Risk his life? No. But is this person the normal person they're talking about? No, not at all. Talking about people, say, who are obese, who have other chronic medical conditions, where, quite frankly, and there's nothing against people with those chronic medical conditions, but quite frankly, there is really very little chance, if none at all, that you will ever contribute more to society than you will take. If you are in the United States of America, you want to emigrate to the United States of America and you have some horrible disease, some painful disorder, we can have all the sympathy in the world for you. But why should we pick up your medical care? 
Why should we share the burden of your medical care when we don't have to? You're not going to pay into, like when an immigrant, illegal alien come across the border. Oh, they're crossing with their three generations. There's grandma over there. She's 62 years old. What is grandma bringing to the table? Not much. 62 isn't exactly 102, but 62 is not exactly a uh, a working lifespan where you're going to pay more in benefits or even anywhere close to in benefits what you're going to get out of benefits. Say if you are granted amnesty or even if you came legally, legally you should not be allowed to immigrate to this country at a certain age. Why? Because then you get citizenship and then you get the benefits of citizenship and then you get Social Security and Medicare and so on and so forth. And why would somebody who will never pay into it, at least in any important amount, any measurable amount, come in and get the benefits of a citizen who had paid into the system all their lives? Now, I get it. You become a citizen, you're in. You're in, you're in, you're in. We have to stop them from becoming citizens because at 62, you'll never contribute anything significant towards the benefits you would receive. Period. End of story. That's how it should be. But it's not because so much of our immigration system is based upon who certain political entities believe you will vote, how they believe you will vote eventually when you are granted the right to vote. We can't be the world's repository for anybody who wants a job, and we can't be the world's receptacle for anybody who needs medical care. Australia and New Zealand understand this. They are very progressive societies. They care very deeply. They do, in fact, love lecturing everybody else about how progressive they are, especially New Zealand. But, they are not stupid. They just count on the rest of the world being stupid. Now, you can you can sit there and they go through and they profile a whole bunch of people in this New York Times piece of worst case scenarios. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. It's horrible. This person is suffering from this thing and they're, they're just a child and they're going to be kicked out of the country. Okay. You know what? The best government, actually, you can make exceptions for people under certain circumstances. But ideally, laws should never, ever in a million years be written based on emotion. That's how Democrats work, though. That's how far too many in politics work, sadly. Think about the Department of Homeland Security. Think about the burdens that the Department of Homeland Security placed on all of us as Americans the invasion of our privacy, the disruption of our lives. Oh, it's very important. They, remember, they, were, they would find out what library books you're reading, so on and so forth. They, they didn't do that. They, they could have, theoretically, and that's the problem. You don't set up government to be able to abuse, even though they pinky swear they're not going to abuse. You don't set them up with the prospect of being able to abuse our rights and our, and our you know, just physical being. But the Department of Homeland Security, that was passed in the wake of 9-11. That was passed at a time where government felt the need to, quote, do something. You have to do something. People were scared. They had to act. 
okay, I can understand that. But at a certain point, don't you have to go, all right, we've acted. We've we looked at this. Maybe we should pull back on these certain things. That's not how government works. That's why you shouldn't let government do anything willy-nilly or quickly or in the heat of emotion because simply because it's a bad idea doesn't mean it's going to be repealed. Simply because it's a stupid idea and destructive and uh, oppressive to our rights as Americans doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere. Doesn't mean they're not going to get rid of it or they will get rid of it. It doesn't happen most of the time. So you don't let them do things in the first place. So I know they want you to have sympathy for these people, and you can have sympathy for these people. But sympathy should never rule the day. Sympathy should never rule the day. That's how progressivism spreads. That's how liberalism spreads. Oh, we feel so bad for these people. Okay, well, do something. about Help them. Help them yourself. But sadly, far too many people who are inclined to look at government as the solution to problems rather than the cause of them sit back and say, well, uh, government should do something about that. Well, you could do something about it. Yeah, but government should do something. Well, why don't you? Because government should do something about that. Hmm. Uh, while we're talking about Karine Jean-Pierre, she's so historic. My God, it hurts me how historic she is. I just want to point out, when I talk about her being an embarrassment, this is what I'm talking about. Yesterday, the president of the United States, the acting president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden, the figurehead out there, met with three Nobel Prize winners from 2022 at the White House. Now, I don't think there's any human being who doesn't know what a Nobel Prize is, right? especially in this country. Certainly not somebody who has... Uh, risen to the level of White House press secretary, should, in fact, know what a Nobel Prize is. They've, they've heard of the Nobel Prize, right? I think my kids have probably heard of the Nobel Prize. If you still didn't, it, you just look at the spelling. Nobel, N-O-B-E-L, Nobel. It's done, it's done, it's done. What you're about to hear is a grown woman I assume she's in her 40s. I don't know. She looks like she's in her 40s or a little bit older. How old is Karine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary? Yeah, she's 48 years old. All right. I almost said she was in her 50s, but I was trying to be nice. You never overestimate a woman's age. But she's uh, 48 years old. By the time she's, she's lived that long of a life, She's lived that long of a life in the news business, in the commentary business, in the political world. One would have thought that she would know what the Nobel Prizes were. And it turns out, it turns out she has no friggin' clue. None whatsoever. She, maybe she thinks that it's uh, some sort of royalty thing. Who knows? Listen to her. See if you can spot the stupidity. Today, President Biden met with three U.S. winners of the 2022 Nobel Prize, Dr. Caroline Bertozzi, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry, Dr. John Clauser, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics, and Dr. Douglas Diamond, who won the Nobel Prize in Economic Science. Now, when I first heard this, I thought, okay, 
uh, I'd read it. I thought, well, she mispronounced Nobel, Nobel Prize. She did it once. It can happen. It can happen to anybody. No, every single time she said it, it was the Nobel Prize. Yes, the nobleman. The noble, only the most noble shall meet with Joe Biden, and these people have won prizes to attest to their nobility. Their bloodlines have not only been attested to by their stellar character, but by the fact that they, when we drew the blood, it was in fact purple, and they were hemophiliacs. So obviously they were the product of inbreeding. No, no, and don't, don't send any messages. It's a joke. But to sit there and do that, what kind of adult human being talks about a Nobel Prize? A Nobel Nobel Prize. He's a Nobel Prize winner. There's nobody more noble than them. <sighs> Leftists. They do, however, think they are quite noble. They are anything but. This story from the UK Daily Mail demonstrates just how disturbing these people truly are. Pedophiles are getting less than a year in prison after a range of horrific acts, including raping a child under 14, a DailyMail.com investigation reveals. Analysis of a California database of sex offenders shows thousands of child molesters are being let out after just a few months, despite sentencing guidelines. Isn't this nice? Now, you've got every Democrat in the world out there doing what? They're out there advocating for emptying out the prisons. Emptying out the prisons. Current and former sex crimes prosecutors said the figures are terrifying and shameful. More than 7,000 sex offenders were convicted of lewd or lascivious acts with a child under 14 years of age, but were let out of prison the same year they were incarcerated. Data from the California Megan's Law database shows. Isn't that Others who committed some of the worst child sex crimes on the statute books served similarly short sentences, including 365 pedophiles convicted of continuous sexual abuse of a child who spent less than 12 months in prison, 39 cases of sodomy with a child under 16, and three cases of kidnapping a child under 14 with intent to commit lewd or lascivious acts, according to the data. Democrats. This is the world Democrats want to create everywhere. Now, I don't care. It's horrible for the people who live in California. It's awful for the people who live in California, particularly in the Los Angeles to San Francisco area. The rest of the state kind of has some sanity, but those areas are the ones that uh, are the crazies. They have the dominant, they have the numbers, and they have the crazies. And so you look at that and you just go, Mike, how does this happen? Well, you look at it and you, you ha the only way it happens is what? Well, you look at a criminal, you look at a pervert, you look at anybody and you say, well, it's a shame. Society, society, in fact, caused this. It's society's fault. It's not society's fault. It's the actions of these people. They did this themselves penal system is about punishment, or is supposed to be about punishment, but Democrats do not wish to punish anybody. They do not want to punish anybody, except conservatives. Them they'll throw the book at.
you wonder how does Jeffrey how does a Jeffrey Epstein operate in plain sight amongst these people? Well, it's right there. It's right. that's how a Jeffrey Epstein operates in plain sight amongst the world's elite, the self-appointed smartest people in the world. My God, they're just geniuses. They're wonderful. They're this. They're that. They're the other thing. How did they get fooled by a Jeffrey Epstein? How did they get fooled by? a Harvey Weinstein. How did they get fooled by any of these? Well, they weren't fooled. They didn't care. That's the difference. They knew. They all knew. What did we learn when Harvey Weinstein went to, when the story was broken? What what was the one thing we heard from all of these people? They were shameless about it. Well, it was one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood. Worst kept secrets in Hollywood. That he was a, a total rapist pervert. Yeah, you know, he cheated on his wife and he'd get a little handsy with some, But you know what? His checks cleared when he put me in their movies. So, you know, what are you going to do? You wonder why I look at liberals with a little bit of repulsion and oftentimes have to choke back down the vomit? It's because I look at liberals and I'm fully aware of what they do. They're just counting on most everybody else not being fully aware of what they do. But you should be. You better be. Because if you think they're done doing it, you're crazy. They're never going to be done doing it. It is agenda uberalis. It doesn't matter how many people get destroyed along the way. You let 7,000 people out of prison who are child molesters, so what? They'll vote for Democrats. That's what really matters. I want to shift gears. I want to talk about this uh, this White House nuclear. Since we're talking about perverts and weirdos and monsters and everything like that, not that this person is a monster, but a weirdo for sure. And I don't care what they do as long as they, whatever they do it with is is willing and of age. I don't care what anybody does with anything. But it is uh, kind of interesting and telling. Because these things happen often, often. And you say, well, maybe there's a a common thread here. Maybe it's not that they're trans that they're causing, you know, and getting caught doing some sort of weird thing. Maybe it's that maybe they have some sort of mental disorder, right? Can't say that, but you can all think that. Story from the... New York Post, right? A Biden administration employee and one of the federal government's first gender non-binary officials, you begin to see why this person got the job, has been accused of stealing a traveler's luggage from the Minneapolis airport in September. September, October, November, toward the end of November. That's a couple of months. Why are we just hearing about this now? How is it we're just hearing about this now? Well, because some people are more protected than others. Yeah, just there you go. Don't Thou shalt not question anything that the media does. Sam Brinton, the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. That's not only a mouthful of a job title, That's a hell of a job. That means that you're in charge of distributing, disposing of, storing, moving around the country, nuclear waste, which, if done poorly, 
one would assume, and probably rightly so, that bad things could happen. Am I right? I think I'm right on that one. It was charged with felony theft after allegedly snatching a Vera Bradley suitcase reportedly worth $2,325 from baggage claim at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport on September 16th, according to court documents. Now, you may sit there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm reading this, and I'm going, something wrong with somebody who spends $2,325 on a suitcase. Am I right? Am I right? I don't even know. What suitcase do I use? My, when I travel, I've got a, a duffel bag that I throw a couple of days' clothes worth in, and then uh, I shove it into the overhead compartment. And that's it. Pretty violently, too, because it's mostly just clothes. And that's that's my my packing. When I have to absolutely pack a, and and uh, check a bag, if for some weird reason I'm going to somewhere where laundry is not an option, doing laundry is not an option, I have, I don't even know what the hell, I don't even think it's Samsonite. It's black, it's uh, soft-sided but rigid around the edges, and you just cram stuff in there. And that's it. That's that's it. I think it probably costs about 30 bucks, if I had to guess. And I think the duffel bag I got for free for an event. That's how I roll, ladies and gentlemen. That's how I, you can take the boy out of poverty, but you can't take the poverty out of the boy. But a $2,300 suitcase, well, that's just too much for Britain, who apparently had to have it. Brinton, who uses they, them pronouns. Yeah, they, them pronouns. Got to be important. You got to make sure to respect the weirdo pervert thief. Let, except, of course, in the case of the Colorado Springs shooting, when you go, ah, I don't see this. This dude doesn't look like he could pass for a chick. So I don't think that they're uh, really non-binary. It's cool then. But the fact that this guy has a mustache and shaves his head bald and wears red lipstick and dresses. That's totally normal, and by God, that's how you pass for a woman. Honestly, if you look at this weirdo, and you, you go to the, uh, what the hell was the name of that, that mutant on CNN? Natalie Bingham, the trans activist who spelled her name Natalie with two E's at the end of Natalie. Because Why? Because if you're going to be a pain in the ass, you go all the way, right? You just If you're going to be a, a real obnoxious, high-maintenance jerk. You go all the way. You go, no, 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 you spelled my name wrong because you spelled it like a normal human being would. I don't spell my name the way a normal human being would. That person who looks like a dude, because he is a dude, can go, oh, my God, uh, there's no way that uh, this killer could be non-binary because there's no way he could pass, or he was actually using the uh, they pronoun, they could pass for uh, a woman. And I'm thinking... Well, you could look at Sam Brinton, bald, mustache, long red dress. Pretty sure not too many people are going to be fooled by that. But you accept as gospel that this weirdo is telling the truth. But when it's politically inconvenient and a killer comes in and says the same thing, no, 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 no. No way. Couldn't pass as a chick. Yeah, I don't think Sam's going to be fooling too many people at the National Society for the Blind. Anyway, Brinton, who uses they, them pronouns, was captured on surveillance video grabbing the luggage 
and removing its ID tag identifying the owner, the filing states. Now, this is caught on video. You can't just every pretty much everywhere except the bathroom in, a, in an airport is covered by surveillance video. They were later seen, they, he was later seen using the Vera Bradley suitcase on at least two occasions while traveling to Washington, D.C. on September 18th and October 9th, investigators said. Now, what's interesting to me is if this person is the uh, deputy under assistant secretary of whatever, why the hell are they not living in Washington? Why is he not living in Washington? Shouldn't he be? Of course he should be. Brenton initially denied stealing the suitcase to police officers, but later claimed he took it by... I'm changing, by the way, the pronouns. Because as conservative as the New York Post is, they too fall under the politically correct crap standards of journalism these days, and they're using the preferred pronouns. Whereas I refuse to use preferred pronouns for criminals and or anybody, because I'll be damned if I'm going to let some weirdo tell me how I have to refer to them. You're not going to control my speech. Brenton initially denied stealing the suitcase to police officers, but later claimed he took it by mistake and still had it in his possession. Yeah, oops. It's just a mistake. How I know oftentimes when I go to the airport, I walk out uh, with a bag that isn't mine. Even when I didn't check a... Uh, check a bag i go to the baggage claim just out of force of habit and just grab a bag and make sure that i remove all identifying markers from the outside of the bag and then try to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible with said bag that's i I try to pick something heavy just you know almost pavlovian in the way i do it quote if i had taken the wrong bag i am happy to return it but i don't have any clothes for another individual brinton first told the officer that was my clothes when I opened the bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. Were they dude clothes? Because they weren't your clothes. Uh, however, Brinton called the officer back two hours after his initial conversation and confessed to not, quote, being completely honest. Oopsie. I did an oopsie. He said he accidentally grabbed the wrong bag at the luggage carousel due to exhaustion. You know, putting a girl look together really does take it out of a lady today, doesn't he? You know, back in my day, though, a woman could bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and never, never, ever let you forget you're a man because of Anjali or something like that. But nowadays... Shaving your head bald while maintaining a perfectly cropped mustache and or sometime goatee while trying to be a sexy, sexy lady is just too much effort for some people. And they get drowsy and they may walk out of an airport with the wrong suitcase. They may walk out of a bank with money that isn't theirs. You know, just that same old, same old thing. According to the court filings, Brinton said when he opened the bag at his hotel, God, it's amazing to me reading, this is how it actually reads in the post. According to court filings, Brinton said when they opened the bag at their hotel, they realized it wasn't theirs, but got nervous that someone would think they stole it and didn't know what to do. That because they used the they, them pronouns. I'm sorry, mutant. You don't get to butcher my language because you have daddy issues. 
According to court filings, Brinton said when he opened the bag at his hotel, he realized it wasn't his, but got nervous that someone would think he stole it and didn't know what to do. Yes, that's the way to do it. He said he emptied the luggage and left the person's clothes inside the drawers of a dresser in the hotel room. <laughs> the official was charged with felony theft of a of movable property without consent, as first reported by the local Minneapolis outlet Alpha News. Brenton, who became one of the government's first Non-binary officials was placed on leave about a month ago following the accusations. Another official was named as his interim replacement earlier this month, according to the exchange monitor which tracks government officials' moves. A spokesman for the Department of Energy confirmed Brinton's leaves to Fox News Digital. If convicted, Brinton could face up to five years in prison and or a $10,000 fine. Yes, the weirdos are out in full force. Now, don't you love this? This person has not been fired. This person serves at the pleasure of the president. This person is a political appointee. This person can be fired. It's not like they're a government union member. They're some sort of mid-level management. No, this person is an at-will political appointee that Joe Biden could wake up and fire today. He won't. Because the only reason, the only reason he was hired is the only reason he's not fired. They've got him on video, stealing this suitcase. They have him on tape. They have him on record, sitting there going, hey, uh, I didn't take nothing. And then going, well, I wasn't completely honest. Well, what did you fudge a little bit? Oh, it's just, you know, the gray areas around when I said I didn't take it. And it turns out I did take it, you know. That's just a gray area. Anybody could have made that mistake. That's not making a mistake. That's turning right instead of turning left. That's driving off a pier rather than driving over a bridge. It's, it's a pretty big difference. There's a chasm there, if you will, between reality and what this person said. And they still haven't been fired. He's still employed by our government. He's on leave. They don't say if it's paid leave or unpaid leave, but I'm guessing that it's paid leave. I would guess that it's paid leave. Why? Because why not? Why not? That's how government rolls. It's not their money. They're not worried about the bottom line. Yeah, so all right, well, paid leave. We'll let you figure this one out. Realistically, he should be fired. He should be fired from day one. We're two months into this thing, and we're just now finding out about it. This person should have been fired immediately. It's on video. You serve at the pleasure of the president. Go ahead and serve at the pleasure of the president someplace else. But so many people in this government are completely screwed up and hired for reasons well beyond their ability to do the job. This is another story from the New York Post. A U.S. Department of Education deputy director who was appointed under President Biden poked fun at evangelical Christians and claimed democracy was based on quite right supremacy, according to her Twitter profile. Of course she did. Of course she did. 
Christina Ishmael's Twitter account was put on private Monday, but not before Fox News Digital documented dozens of her claims about white people and white supremacy's purported ties to American democracy, evangelical Christians, and fat phobia. Fat phobia. Why? Because you're trying to complete a trifecta. It doesn't really matter in the liberal world what the three elements are. You just have to have three elements. Ishmael is the deputy director of Office of Educational Technology. The office implements policies for equity and access to technology. Quote, democracy is built on white supremacy, which I see. See, now, it's just didn't Democrats just run an election professing to absolutely love democracy? My, my God, Republicans were a threat to it. They love democracy and Republicans were a threat to democracy. Horrible, horrible monsters threatening democracy. But then democracy is built on white supremacy, because if you scratch a progressive, you'll find a fascist, you'll find a communist, you'll find a social. There's no difference, really, between those two. It's a matter of degrees. But they're sitting there. Democracy, this is, this is a woman who's in charge of educating your children. Democracy also built on white supremacy, which I see perpetuated in education circles when biopic black indigenous people of color, blah, 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 folks spelled with an X, are being told they're too negative by addressing real issues instead of superlatives, she said. Ishmael responded to a tweet which claimed the evangelical church welcomed hate and white supremacy into its institution. She replied, Amen. Fox News Digital asked the Department of Education whether Ishmael displayed a bias against evangelical Christians but did not receive a response. Around 25 to 30 percent of Americans identify as evangelicals, but they vote wrong, by and large. So who cares? The Biden official said she walked away from a discussion because, quote, a white male dominated the conversation, end quote. In another instance, Ishmael said she was tuning out voices from white people. In another tweet, Ishmael seemingly cast doubt on whether white gay men deserve to be considered a marginalized category in curriculum. You're not victim enough. Told you, you got the more boxes you check. They have a hierarchy. In the Soviet Union, everybody was equal, even in Stalin's inner circle, but there was a pecking order. Quote, in most inclusive materials, the most dominant folks, spelled with an X, F-O-L-X, are still represented in the marginalized group, e.g. white, cis, gay men. This does not include the nuance of this group, she said. In other instance, Ishmael blasted white perspective in curriculum. Quote, most of my curriculum was written from a very narrow and white perspective. As a teacher, how many times have you been asked to uphold white supremacy through dominant cultural norms? By the way, Christina Ishmael is a big, fat white woman. Yeah, irony of ironies. I want to uh, play you some audio from Admiral Kirby. John Kirby, he was the Pentagon spokesman, Admiral. He was a Pentagon spokesman under Barack Obama. He's a, just a hack. He's a, he's a disgrace to the uniform, actually. We've got a protest, a lot of protests going on over in China. Now would be a good time. You don't have, look, I'm not saying invade China. But there should come a point where you go, you know what? The protesters have a point. Zero COVID is garbage. And it turns out that the people in China 
would very much like to not be placed under house arrest or bolted into apartment buildings that burn down. They, they want their freedom. Freedom is universal, blah, blah, blah. Pay, even if it's just lip service, you sort of have to do that. But Admiral Kirby, speaking on behalf of the Biden administration, so the Biden administration doesn't actually give a damn about freedom around the world. They don't really want freedom here, as we've established. They want to shut down Twitter, dissent. They want to shut down dissent on a social media platform. How insecure as a political party and as a person does Joe Biden have to be to want to shut down keyboard warriors saying mean things about him? Well, I want you to listen. They've got two clips here of Admiral Kirby. The first one, he says he's not going to... Joe Biden won't speak for protest. It's a basic thing. What is the question is from Phil Wegman from Real Clear uh, Politics. It's a basic question. What is the president's message? President, any message for these people who are risking their lives out there? He doesn't have, it's the same message he has for the people who are risking their lives protesting the terrorist regime in Iran. But Joe Biden's message is shut up and obey. You're trying. I'm trying to trying to do something else here that's way more important than your freedom. I'm trying to restore Barack Obama's legacy. It's crap. Listen to how embarrassed you should be by our president of the United States. I'm wondering, what is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? The president's not going to speak for protesters around the world. They're speaking for themselves. I'm not going to do that. The president, what's the president's reaction? It's not what is his message to them? What does he say? What is he winking? And it's what is his reaction to hearing that these people who are oppressed by the Chinese communists are demanding their freedom and saying Xi Jinping should step down? Ah, the president's not going to speak on behalf of these people. He's not asking to speak on behalf of those people. He's asking what his reaction is. His reaction as president of the United States should be is great admiration for these people standing up to tyranny at a real serious threat to their lives and their freedom, to the little freedom they have. There's great admiration. Boy, I hope it works out for everybody involved. I don't want to see people get hurt, but you've got to admire these people standing up to totalitarianism. Nope, Joe Biden couldn't bring himself to say that. Admiral Kirby couldn't bring himself to say that because they are not pro-freedom. They are pro-themselves. They are pro-power. So then another bite at the apple comes along. I want you to listen to how squishy the support is, if you can call it that, for the concept. Listen to how worthless, actually, just forget it, how worthless this administration is and how embarrassed, if you were an admiral, wouldn't you be embarrassed to be John Kirby in this clip? I was hoping, uh, what is the White House's message, the president's message to people in China who are peacefully protesting COVID lockdowns there? And then did the topic of China's zero COVID policy come up in the president's bilateral meeting with President Xi when they met in Indonesia a couple weeks ago? They did talk about COVID uh, and the effect that the pandemic had had around the world. Uh, clearly, that came up inside uh, the, the conversation. Uh, I don't know if specifically the zero uh, COVID policy was an issue of discussion, but certainly COVID was on the agenda, as you might expect that it, it would be. Um, and our, our message to peaceful protesters around the world uh, is the same and, and consistent. People should be allowed uh, uh, the, the, the right to assemble and to peacefully protest policies or laws or dictates that, uh, that they take issue with.
does the White House support uh, their, their efforts to sort of regain uh, personal freedoms in light of these lockdowns? The White House supports the right of peaceful protest. <laughs> hey, do they support the right of the Chinese people not to be burned to death in apartment buildings because not only can they not get out of their apartments because the Chicoms nailed their door shuts, but uh, the fire department couldn't even get into the building because the building had its doors wired and chained shut. Is the president's well? The president uh, isn't going to comment on that. The president supports everybody's right not to burn to death in an apartment building. Nobody's more special than anybody else. Those eleven people that died. Uh, we're just 11 disposable people. The uh, president cares as much about them as he does his illegitimate grandchild that he refuses to acknowledge. Yeah. Joe Biden considers us all his children, all his grandchildren, just the illegitimate one he refuses to acknowledge. What an evil, worthless administration. When you have moral clarity and they go with ambiguity, it's disgusting. We're out of time for today. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Today, President Biden met with three U.S. winners of the 2022 Nobel Prize.